This is a Dubai Eye 103.8 podcast. This is your chance to hear real life stories and get expert advice across the hottest topics. On today's episode in conversation with HR insider Rohini Gill as we tackled how to let someone go with dignity and she was taking your questions and concerns as well. Talking travel as we broadcast live from the Dubai International Boat Show, some of the best destinations for sailing and cruises and some brilliant bargains with Donata Travel. We were talking turtles with the turtle shake himself, Fahim Al-Kasimi, and nutrition, how to change your mindset around those so-called good and bad foods. And it was farewell to Helen Williams, an incredible counsellor who's been in Dubai, making a real mark on the mental health space as she heads back to her native New Zealand. What is her legacy and what has this part of the world taught her? You asked for it and we are delivering it. We are bringing our ever popular HR clinic live to Dubai I 103.8. So if you've got any questions, any concerns, any clashes happening with you and your HR department, or you've got, indeed got any questions or need clarification, this is your chance. We have got the fantastic Rohini Gill with us, HR expert, senior management consultant at GGC Consulting. Um, Rohini, how are you this afternoon? Thank you for joining us. My pleasure. I'm really well. I'm really well. Thank you. Good. There's been a lot of HR chat in the last 24 hours. Hot news yesterday was about one communications firm, Tishtash, offering period and menopause leave. And they've now, in the last 24 hours, received thousands of job applications. So I wanted to get your take on this. Is this something we can expect more of? Do you think that this is something we should be seeing more of? I think it's absolutely brilliant incredible i am so pleased they've done this helen do you remember we spoke about this when it first was introduced about a year was it ago, about a year ago? <laughs> yeah, it was. was wasn't it and i was so passionate about it then i was just so happy to read yesterday that this is what uh natasha guys have done uh, should we be expecting more of it i really hope so let's hear um, now we're from selling- uh... Sorry, we didn't get a quick clip from Sharon James, who we spoke to earlier. She's a menopause coach, giving her take on this development. It's a, a great initiative, and uh, I hope um, other companies follow suit. And it doesn't have to be a big gesture. You know, we're not asking for to move mountains. We're just asking for companies to raise the awareness and the education around it so that women feel supported and um, and heard really mm-hmm. um, so I think what Tish Tasha communications have done is amazing and I'm looking forward to seeing what other companies um, bring to the table Ooh, watch this space let us know um, are you in favor of menopause and period leave is this thing that you think could be a slippery slope to well who knows what or are you a big champion like our guest Rohini Gill is and um, Rohini tell us to, you know I know we're in the beginning of March now but it is a bit of a reset around this time um, for many companies I wondered what are some of the top priorities of HR professionals what are we hoping and likely to see in 2023 oh goodness I'm hoping that we see more talent retention rather than Mm. uh, performance management being used, not how it was intended. Oh, hang on. No, 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 we're not leaving it that. Let's (laughs) unpack that. From your point of view, what is performance management? Can you and how do you think it's perhaps been misinterpreted over the years? Okay, so I'll give you a definition. That's the official definition. And the official definition is a continuous communication tool between employee and their manager to collectively achieve organizational goals. Okay. So this is what it should be. Mm -hmm. I'll tell you what's happening. And 
the number of messages I get, Helen, on a regular daily basis. Panic, absolute panic. Oh my goodness, what do I do? I have been asked for a performance management meeting. Um, will I be sacked? Will I get my mm -hmm. P45 or, you know, the equivalent of here? It's, it, that's what it's being used for in mm -hmm. some organizations. Not all, some are doing it really well, but a lot, are, I, I, I don't mean a lot, some are actually misusing it. Um, some are using it as a tool for, um, you know, it's sort of gathering evidence um, mm. that somebody's underperforming, and that's not what it's for. So, so this is what I hope to change. Uh, if this that is I something, hope to see yeah. Changing. Do you know? I've just been sent a photo on our WhatsApp, Rohini, which has really made me giggle. It's a, it's a tweet from uh, someone who says at Mystery Spoons, and it's a, it's a screenshot of a tweet that says, "Just got a calendar invite from my boss, titled Quick Chat, Good Thing, and I've never been oh. more grateful, impressed with anyone in my life." A workplace revolutionary, to be honest. <laughs> I yeah. have to do that, Helen. It, it saddens me. We've got clients that if I, and, and these are corporates, that if I, if I ask a few of the staff members for a chat, they actually break out in a, a sweat mm -hmm. because they are so used to the fact that if HR asks them for a chat, that means that's it, that's game over, they're mm -hmm. gone. And that's mm -hmm. not right. You're never going to get the best from people when they are literally living in fear of their jobs. But how can we overcome that? We've got Rohini go with us this afternoon. We're having a bit of an HR clinic. So if you are having any concerns or clashes, maybe you do want some clarification um, when it comes to employment law in the workplace here. We'd love to hear from you. We are going to be going to the text line in just a few minutes, but we're also going to be talking about performance management. You know, what is the expectation from a manager? What tools can they use? And what about the employees as well? Plus, is it applicable to freelance? All of this coming your way on Dubai I-103.8. Joining us live this hour is HR expert, senior management consultant at GGC Consulting, Rohini Gill. And we're taking your questions on all things HR. We've got a number of messages we're going to try and get to in the next few minutes. Before that, though, Rohini, I just want to get a very quick um, insight from you. When we talk about performance management, which we touched on earlier... What onus is on the employee to be getting the most out of that opportunity and that dynamic? What can we be affecting in terms of change rather than relying on management? Um, have an up-to-date job description. That is, mm -hmm. whilst we say, you know, it's a manager's responsibility, they've got so many to do. Um, make sure your job description is completely up-to-date so that if you are called into one of these meetings, you know exactly what you should be doing. Also, self-reflect, Helen. Performance management meetings should never come as a surprise. Um, we're adults. We know how we are performing. If it's coming as a surprise, something's gone wrong somewhere. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. We it need, does. you know, yeah, just, just continuous self-reflection. Also, not to panic. Don't panic <laughs> if you've Easier been asked for a meeting. Done. I know, I know. And, and, to, so and, to, and to the bosses listening is... today, you know, please, if you are being booked in, just a little kind of good thing or please prepare X, Y, Z, I'm sure would be appreciated by the employees on the receiving end. Um, to the text exactly. line, Rahini, if you don't mind, uh, no name on this message saying, I had signed an offer uh, letter contract with a company, but now I've decided to stay with my existing company as certain circumstances have changed. Will I be subject to any legal <sighs> challenges for not joining the new company in this case? Legal challenges probably not moral challenges yeah possibly um 
yes let's treat employers and others as we want to be treated how would they feel if their offer was retracted same thing right yeah but then do you, so do you want to, but then do you want someone working for you that doesn't want to be there you know well, I mean if you're looking no, at the long no. game you, you don't really it's no, it's it's, no, it's going to be no, awkward no. and unpleasant you might burn a few bridges but Yes. If you're ultimately weighing up the pros and cons of both roles and you're looking to stay. But legal challenges, no, but you might no. you might lose a contact yeah. along the way. <laughs> okay. but, but also what I say is, please be honest. So to, to mm. the, 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 the person who's texting, speak to the new company, tell them exactly what's happened. Um, people are human beings, believe it or not. They'll understand. Um, mm. Tell them exactly what happened. Tell them that you've had this dilemma. And, you know, this is the reason why you're not taking it so that they don't mm. think it's something that they've done. Yeah, I like that. Very wise indeed. Um, another anonymous message, 4001, if you've got any queries for Rohini Gill joining us this afternoon, saying, I've recently learned that a colleague who joined at the same time as me is paid about 20% more. Similar background and experience. I know I shouldn't know this, but I can't stop thinking about it. And approaching HR, what should I do? Oh, oh please uh, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. Speak to your manager in your appraisal. Um, everyone's different. Everybody brings something different to the party. Um, let's speak about ourselves. Concentrate on ourselves. And, and if you think you deserve a rise because of something you've done, absolutely, go right ahead. Please do it. But not because somebody else who joined at the same time is on more salary than you. I'm going to be brutally blunt with you. They negotiated better. Yeah, I was just about to say that. You don't know what's happened behind the scenes. They, they've, yes. If they have truly got a similar background and experience, it sounds like they've maybe got more experience in negotiating and, and came in stronger from the outset. But I can't imagine it would go down very well saying, I know this, I deserve more money because you're not justifying that, uh, that extra expense to the company one iota. No, frustrating. No. Okay, let's. Um, we were just talking about performance management earlier, and I got a question from Marcus saying, "I'm actually on a freelancer contract, but want my career to progress with the company I'm with. How can I tell this to my manager that I'd like some career progression, even though I am quote just a freelancer?" Oh wow! I would love for you to work for one of our clients. This is incredible. This is the best attitude ever. Um, I'll give. I'll tell you a little secret. Normally, when companies take freelancers on. Somewhere in the back of their mind, they are thinking, we really hope this person comes and works for us full time. So if this is what you want, speak to your manager and ask them. So, so basically, arrange your time with them mm -hmm. and, and ask them how you are doing, how you can improve um, and, and act on it. I think this is brilliant. Do you think that would, would be welcomed by management? Because I think a lot of people take on freelancers thinking, okay, we're going to tick a box for a job that needs to be done, but I don't actually want to be dealing with the admin of looking at career progression and, you know, looking at looking after them, I suppose, for want of a better phrase. Um, well, I can only speak about managers like myself and we would welcome it. Good. Okay, um, I love that. Thank you. <laughs> oh, uh, completely. Uh, completely. So pl I think this is brilliant. And I think the company's done something right as well, that mm -hmm. you want to stay there. Mm -hmm. So it, look at it from their angle. So the manager in the least will think oh my goodness we've done something right they want to stay now unfortunately i have heard about a number of redundancies and quite shock redundancies in the last couple of months rohini and uh, yeah some of them are handled very well and some of them not so well so i wondered for any yeah. managers out there whether it's in hr or leadership what your top tips really would be for letting 
staff go with dignity? Um, what's, what are oh. some of the best and worst you've seen in your time? Oh, I've seen some awful things. I heard of something this morning, Helen, and it made my blood boil. Apparently, there is a company X somewhere, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, and what they do is, as soon as people give them their notice, given their notice, they find reasons not to pay them. <gasps> uh, can you? Can, I, I was fabricated. So that's probably one of the worst I've heard. I've heard of environments turning really toxic. I've turned of managers just turning on people when they um, are leaving. Um, in terms of redundancies, I have heard people being called into these so-called meetings and being told, that's it, here's your notice. Uh, we don't need you to come back. Um, clear your desk, off you go. But I have also heard of some brilliant organizations who treat people leaving with respect and dignity. That's all it comes down to. Let's treat people like human beings. Mm-hmm. Simple, simple as it, it's so simple, isn't it? Um, and we forget, we think we're God when we are making people redundant, sadly. Is there anything that can soften the blow somewhat, whether that is phrasing or circumstance or aftercare, for, for want of a better phrase, Rahini, that you've seen in practice that can really support someone during a very, very difficult time? So I'll tell you what some of the larger corporates are doing here, which is really nice, is uh, providing an outboarding service. Um, oh, so, on. yeah, so that's brilliant. So they, it's something that used to happen back in the UK, Helen, mm-hmm. uh, probably way before your time. Uh, I'm talking about 25 years ago, and it was the first time I was made redundant. Um, I had access to this this uh, outboarding service, so they they helped me get back on track. And it was so now some of the companies are doing it here. So you work with a careers advisor sort of a take and, and part, it, it, uh, you know, together get to the next step. Um, that's really good. Um, what tips? Imagine if that was you. What mm-hmm. would you want? How would you want to be treated? Just treat employees the same way. Bearing in mind, of course, we've got the whole visa issue here. Yes, so absolutely. Lots of th- yeah, so lots of things go through people's minds. Right. We, Rahini, um, we, we've, I've got a lot of messages for you, so I'm gonna I'm gonna yes, put you on pause now. So we're gonna have the headlines, and then we're gonna come back and have a bit more of an HR clinic. Uh, Rahini Gill is with us this afternoon. If you do have any questions for her, you need some clarity. Um, this is your chance. Uh, we've had a message about exactly that, about being made redundant and you know holding on to a gratuity and visa. Someone's asking, how do you initiate or encourage a process of performance appraisals for your partners as well? So looking at that kind of peer to peer, we'll put that to Rahini Gill in just a few minutes. Right here, right now, it is your live HR clinic. Delighted to be have stolen away from her very busy day. Rahini Girl, she is there at GGC Consulting as Senior Management Consultant and she's an all-around HR expert. So if you've got any questions, concerns, need some clarification, this is your chance. Now, a great question here that I think you'll really enjoy. Um, no name on it, Rahini, saying... What are the current UA trends in HR for anyone that wants to enter the field? Is there anything to study, any analytics? So working in HR, any recommended reading or podcasts or things that people should be paying attention to if they want to do what you do? Wow, okay, what do I do? I haven't got, got, got a clue, actually. <laughs> <laughs> what do I do? No. Uh, um, CIPD is a great way to start, Helen, um, because we need to get the technical expertise first mm-hmm. um, before we look at 
um, you know, the, the podcasts and, and so on and so forth. Um, so start with CIPD, keep up with all the trends in the region. Um, Arabian business is a really good one um, for HR. Um, there are loads that I subscribe to and I've, my mind's just gone blank. Um, <laughs> have, a, have a think and, and, and we, can, I, we can always yes, connect I you with will. this listener as well. Um, yes, please do that because I get loads of emails and I'm forever reading and my mind's just gone blank. So just send me their details and I'll, I'll send them a list. You've got it. Um, a message here, um, we were talking about performance um, management earlier. Um, messaging, are we obliged to promote employees, grades or financially? And can they complain if not promoted? Good question. Oh, good. Oh, absolutely not obliged whatsoever. Unless it says so in the contract that, that they've negotiated, but nobody tends to do that. Um, it's all performance related, Helen. So, so if they're performing really well and the company is performing well, it's mm. not, it's, I mean, it's no good if the employee is doing really well, but the company is not, even though they should go hand in hand, technically. Um, no, there's no obligation whatsoever. What if no, you feel like nothing. you, what if you, what if, you know, we talk about KPIs and kind of these measurable targets, but what if you feel like you've done everything that was asked of you in order to get promotion or get a pay rise, but your boss, your manager, disagrees what what's the process like there if you um, if all the KPIs were agreed beforehand mm -hmm. okay and they were met not just once but consistently consistently mm -hmm. met um, I would ask to, for the meeting and if the company was doing well okay and they are actually promoting other people I would want to know why um, yeah, that's that's not right. Okay. If everyone else is or if others are being promoted for similar performance and the company is not doing well, but one individual is not being promoted, there could be many reasons. I don't want to speculate, no, no, but I would want to know why. I would want to know why because that's not But there's right. certainly no obligation on the employer side. Um, okay, no. good, good to know. Um, no name on this one saying, can I take sick leave for cosmetic surgery? Oh, <laughs> um, the grey area. The answer I don't is know. yes. Well, no, it's not. If the doctor thinks you need sick leave, you need sick leave. Um, and you know, we say cosmetic surgery, but it can have such an impact on people's overall and mental well-being. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, if, if the doctor thinks you need time off because whilst it's cosmetic surgery, uh, the end result of it, so to speak. But it's still surgery, Helen. Mm -hmm. So and there is downtime, right? It's not fillers or Botox that you can just kind of go into work. But yes, if it is full-on cosmetic surgery and there is downtime, yeah. Okay, you, you're there on you right, go. So you, you heard it here. Um, and final message, this is from uh, Joe saying, I recently resigned from my company, but they're still keeping my passport on gratuity. They've said I need to present a new employment visa before they can release my money and documents. Is it time to tell the authorities? How on earth are you going to get a new employment visa if you haven't got your passport, Rohini? What's going on here? That's ridiculous. Um, number one, no company can keep your passport. Simple as, not allowed, shouldn't be done. And frankly speaking, you shouldn't be giving it. Okay, mm -hmm. so that's 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 the first like big alarm bell. Um, Richard, um and what what else did they want? They wanted uh, to know no. that the visa has been transferred. How, mm -hmm. how can it be? It can't be. Okay. We'll, we'll, I we'll, mean, it can technically because it can all be done online. But don't even go down that route. I would want my passport back. That's wrong. Go to the authorities. Rohini Absolutely. Girl, thank you. Always can count on you for a bit of clarity. Mm -hmm. An absolute pleasure. If anyone does want to contact you, um, what's the best way of getting in touch? 
Um, email me, rohini.bala at ggc-consult.com. Brilliant. Rohini, thank you so, so much. Really do appreciate your time. Um, it's absolute pleasure. We'll have you back very soon because I tell you what, an awful lot of people needing some very, very good advice. Now, we're staying now with HR because recently a banking training institute has just been inaugurated here in the UAE, um, in the capital there, aimed at developing and empowering UAE nationals for the financial services industry. So this is also supporting the amortization rule for the private sector. So here's Hassan Fadan Al-Fadan, uh, group CEO of the Al-Fadan Group. As an Emirati family business established in the 1950s, we feel a sense of obligation to give back to our nation, having lived and experienced the blessings the country has shared with its citizens. We also feel we need to do our part in supporting the leadership's vision and developing specialized skills in financial services that are not readily available in traditional academic settings. We've acquired the wealth of knowledge and practical experience over the past 50 years, and it seemed a very natural progression for us to offer this knowledge to Emirati graduates free of cost. Graduates the world over struggle to get a foothold in the job market in this competitive environment, let alone to gain employment with no experience and without specialized skills. So what the Al-Fardan Banking Training Institute is trying to achieve is to build practical courses to enable graduates to apply specialized knowledge and skills in the workplace. And considering the high demand of specialist skills, we believe that the graduates will benefit tremendously whether they choose to pursue their professional careers with Al-Fardan Exchange or if they join any other financial institution in the country. That was Hassan Fadan Al-Fadan talking there about this initiative. A training Institute has been inaugurated here in the capital for UA Nationals. Talking travel this afternoon already, a number of you getting in touch with questions about where to go next. So who better to ask than Matt Vlamix? He's here as a Donata Travel Leisure Manager. I'm feeling quite inspired by all these boats, Matt. And we've got some floating holidays. Um, I never thought I'd be someone that would crave a cruise, but I'm starting to. So where are we going? Where are we setting sail to first? Well, we've got some amazing cruises, but we thought we'd start with uh, with Croatia, which is one of my, my favorite places in, in Europe, in the world, anywhere really. So um, there's probably not a better um, sort of sailing destination that I can think of than Croatia around that sort of split um, and the Dalmatian Islands area and then all the way down to Dubrovnik. Um, some of the islands there are incredible. You've got Havar, Viz, Kočula, Brač. Um, the mainland themselves split. There's a, li- a lovely little sort of walled town mm-hmm. just outside there called Trogia as well. Um, and then Dubrovnik itself has got the Elefiti Islands around there as well, which are absolutely gorgeous. You're making me want to go back. <laughs> we had one of the best family holidays ever, ever, ever in 2019. And you know when you have a really vivid dream and the next day it just comes back to you? That's how I feel about Croatia. Sometimes when I'm not thinking about anything at all, I'll just get these flashes of at uh, this pebble beach or this beautiful church, or a nice cream. The, ne- the necklace I'm wearing now actually is from Croatia. And I have to say, it was just an incredible, incredible destination. My kids at that point were quite, were quite little, and we did say, we will come back and we will, we will sail this. Either learn to sail in the interim, or most likely have a skipper. So how, how, how are we doing it with Donata Travel? You can do any of those really. So you can um, sort of charter for, for a long term and have the skipper do everything for you. Uh, you can take cabins on um, on shared boats as well um, if you're feeling slightly more social. Um, no. You can, you, can, <laughs> <laughs> you can start in one and end in the other between Split and Dubrovnik or you can just do day trips from out, out from any of them, stay on the islands, uh, stay at Split itself. Is this something that you guys could help put together a, a package or a holiday or around Yeah, it? massively. It's, um, it's, it's tailor-made if it is if it is that sort of sailing 
only option. Um, but we do offer land-based packages as well, where you're staying for a few nights in Split and then on, on Havar, on the island itself. Um, you can go out on day trips from there, um, do um, day trips on Havar to the lavender fields, um, to, to private beaches, things like that. So um, that is very nice. We, we've got a package, actually, that's three nights in Split and two nights uh, in Havar at the Hotel Riva. Um, boats, ferries, catamarans, guided excursions. Um, and that's under 8,000 dirhams per person. Um, but as I say, if you want to go the full hog and start in Split, arrive in Dubrovnik seven days later with a very full stomach and having seen some amazing places, um, then we can tailor make that for you. Oh my goodness. I think we've peaked too soon. One of my favorite places and sailing as well. Um, you've got, I never think of Mallorca being kind of a sailing hotspot or hub. Am I, am I in the dark here? Am I missing out? Yeah. Uh, Often you would do that as day trips as well because mm. the, the island itself is so, so stunning. Um, anyone that, that watched The Night Manager a few years ago, <gasps> that's, um, that was very much about sort of drinking in the Mallorcan scenery as, as much as the plot of the, of the program itself, oh, I think. I'm, you're making me want to rewatch it now. Yeah, it's fab. And there was a massive increase in, um, in interest about Mallorca when, when that was on. Well, same with the Croatia and thinking about Game of Thrones. You yeah. know, it, I mean, I'm sure, you know, the White Lotus effect is having a you know, massive boom on, you know, Sicily right now, for example. Yeah, it all kind of ties into culture and our inspiration doesn't it? Yeah, they're highly cinematic uh, destinations, aren't they? So Mallorca, you can stay in Parma, which is extremely historic, uh, Roman, Moorish ruins, lots of nightlife as well. Um, but then do day trips out, you can get into the mountains. It's a great cycling area as well. Um, lots of sort of uh, cycling teams go there to do their training. Um, you've got Solier and Port Solier, um, which have got you know lots of art there, very, very artistic sort of shops and things like that as well. Um, and they're close to Dea and, and that sort of region, which is where Night Manager was filmed. Rafa Nadal has a huge villa, does all Sold. his training over there. If it's, so. good, if it's good enough for Rafa, it's good enough for me, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> Any deals to be had, though? Because you're, you're mentioning some pretty five-star names now. Yeah, absolutely. You can stay in, in Parma itself, actually, uh, five nights at the Melia there, um, which is very, very reasonable and really, really well located. Um, do a one-day sightseeing trip, do a, a, a boat tour as well, uh, train rides. There's a little sort of train um, mm-hmm. track around Solier. Um, and that's going to set you back about five, five seventy per person for two, and Including that includes flights. the flights. Yeah, oh, so there you go. Actually, super good value. Yeah. Now I have got a very special prize this afternoon. We've got tickets to come down here to Dubai Harbour, the Dubai International Boat Show, and the chance to dine with eight hundred dirhams to spend at Saigon Social at the Ritz Carlton. So, can we go to Asia? Yeah. Uh, uh, Competing with Croatia actually as my favourite place in the world is Vietnam. Really? Um, and part of the reason you've highlighted there, the food is incredible. Um, but you can do some sailing there as well. There's a place called Halong Bay, which roughly translates around Dragon Tail Bay. Um, there's thousands of cast islands there that the sort of old myths say were carved out by a dragon's tail as it flew away. Um, and that is, that is gorgeous. It's two hours drive from Hanoi, maybe a little bit more. Um, you can go in these sort of old old style junks, um, go out on kayaking excursions, go into caves on the cast and things like that. Um, and the, the food is incredible in Vietnam. Um, and it, it's sort of one or two nights on the boat and then you'd link it in with a cultural tour around Hanoi, Hoi An, Ho Chi Minh City, all some of my favorite places. Um, and it's amazing. incredible value when you get there as well. You, really? you will not eat for better value anywhere in the world than he you will in it. Vietnam. He said it. Agree or disagree, let us know. So I'd love to hear about your good foodie bargains over Vietnam. And again, you can put together all sorts of different itineraries, I'm guessing, around around the, you know, on on land, on sea. Yeah, completely tailor-made, but our best of Vietnam trip, which which does a night in a five-star uh, boat in Halong Bay, uh, a couple of nights each in Hanoi, Ho Chi Minh City, and uh, Hoi An, guided tours, Coochie tunnels, uh, war sites, um, 
you know, old historic cities, things like that. Shopping? That, yeah, lots of shopping, tailored, yeah, shopping tailored clothing, all that sort of thing. Very, very good value. That's under 10,000 dirhams per person for seven nights, including the flights, so crazy value. <gasps> We're talking travel this afternoon. Matt Flemmick's with us from Donata Travel. We are going to go to the text line next. We've had a message asking about holidays for uh, here in Dubai. Uh, got friends in town, says Katie, coming soon. They've got a 12-year-old and a 14-year-old. Which hotels would be a good recommendation? Um, that's coming your way. And we've got some uh, we've got some other deals too, including a bit of glamping. All of that coming your way. Text line and travel next. Talking travel this afternoon and a fantastic opportunity to join us here at Dubai Harbour with a pair of VIP tickets. It is absolutely lovely down here. People start to pour through the doors and it's happening all the way through until the 5th of March. You will be winning a pair of VIP tickets and today up for grabs you have got 800 dirhams to spend at Saigon Social at Ritz-Carlton and we're also going to be treating you to a dining voucher for two at Prove Charm Thai Food Restaurant Festival. They're worth 400. So we're actually looking for two winners today. I just want to know from you if I was going to give you a boat Please don't come at me if I don't. It's pure fantasy. If I was going to give you a boat, what would you call it? What would you call it? Roger saying fishful thinking. Very good. Monica would uh, call it fluctus, which means wave in Latin. Aquaholic. <laughs> Love it. I would name it Crew 6, refle- reflecting on the SpaceX launch today, says Princely. There is no right or wrong. I cannot read out Jade's message, but let me tell you, sir, it's very good indeed. It's just not radio friendly. What would you call a boat if I was going to give you one this answer and you can be punny you can be silly you can be serious you can have a bit of fun with it 4001 use your ARN play app you've got the whatsapp as well you'll all be in the draw automatically you can let the computer do the picking Joining us live this afternoon here from Dubai Harbour, Matt Lemmix is with us from Donata Travel. We've had a number of messages for you, sir, coming through on social media and indeed the text line. Katie saying, we've got friends with kids age 12 and 14 coming to Dubai. Our kids are younger and would appreciate any hotel recommendations. What comes to mind? This is your this is your kind of daughter's age group, isn't it? Yeah, my daughter's 12, so um, know all about the unique demands of that age, actually. Great, uh, I've got this to come. Fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, the best thing about Dubai uh, for families is virtually everywhere is pretty family friendly mm-hmm. um, the palm is a, is a very good place to start you know there's there's half board upgrades and dining arounds all, all over the place um, we've um, we've been getting some real interest and, and real good feedback recently for, about the Marriott uh, the new Marriott resort on the palm brand new on the left hand side as you uh well, depending, depending which direction you're going in. If you're looking at the palm, it's there on the left. Yeah, exactly. And, and it's in that palm, West Beach promenade sort of area. So for, for older kids, certainly, when they, they stop worrying about kids clubs quite so much mm-hmm. and actually getting out and about and uh, people watching and uh, a bit of life, um, then that is perfect. Um, there's 10 resort restaurants. There's Korean, there's Mexican. Um, lots and lots going on, lots of entertainment options um, and just some great views as well. So um, that's ideal. Because it's new, the, the prices are great. Um, you can get one night there at the moment through us in a Palm Deluxe Queen Room, complimentary half-board diner round, and that's only 640 per person. Okay, um, all right, Katie. And we've got availability over Eid. Price might be a little bit higher over Eid, but at the moment that's um, that's available. Uh, Katie, it's all on donatatravel.com, so you can send that over. Um, now, the weather is glorious right now, and I think it's dropping just a little bit at night, which means camping and glamping is absolutely on the agenda for many people. Now, camping is not for everybody. And when I posted a photo of a giant spider on my sleeping bag a few weeks ago, I got was inundated with the matches going, this is why I don't camp. So for anyone that wants that outdoor experience, but perhaps wants it to be a little bit more luxury, 
we've got something for them, Matt. Tell us a little bit about what's happening out in the desert. Yeah, we do. We've got an exclusive offer, actually, with uh, Arabian Adventures, who have got some um, amazing sort of activities going out there in the desert, including their overnight uh, all-inclusive camping experience. Glamping. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd say it's even it higher than glamping, to be honest. Really? It's, it's very, very comfortable and, and very well done as well. The staff are amazing. Um, so that's out in the Dubai Desert Conservation Reserve. They'll so pick you beautiful. up from wherever you want to be picked up as well. So if you're coming from a hotel or from your home, um, they will they will drive you over there. And then it's a camel straight into the camp as well. So you get that mixture of the, really? the dune bashing and the camel riding. Um, once you're there, it's all about the inclusions, really. Um, the, the camp, the tents themselves are very comfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is more about that um, the, the amazing food, which is included, uh, the beverages. Um, you can go on a nature walk as well. There's, there's, there's sort of endless food and entertainments in the evening. And that whole watching the sunset and the sunrise is possible when you're doing that. Uh, pick your favourite, pick your favourite spot. I do both. I think that sounds absolutely fantastic. This is a great one, I think, if you've got guests in town who want to see a bit of a different side to Dubai or indeed you're new to, the, new to this part of town and, and want to be exploring the desert but without having to think about, I haven't got the right car. Yeah. or I don't want to damage my car or I don't know what I'm doing but I do want to go on the camel um, so where can people learn more about that? Um, so yeah that, they, that's bookable through our website or you can call uh, Andrew Donata and, and speak to our specialists as well um, as you say for, for people who are having friends visit them as well have been a few times already done mm-hmm. all the all the sort of uh, mainstream attractions this is a really different thing to do um, we've got 50% off uh, 15% off sorry exclusive offer with Donata um, up to the end of the season which is only the end of April as well and okay. you've got to book it uh, this month and that's um, from 2425 per night for a luxury overnight desert view tent um, for two. So that's the tent and that's all the total. experiences included. All right. Okay. There you go. Um, now, I have to say, it's creeping up on us. Um, Eid is not that far away, actually. And we did have a message earlier. Um, let me find that for you, Matt. Um, no name on this one saying, keen on um, four or five days away over the next break. We're a family of four, um, budget up to 15,000. Now, I haven't given you the chance to have a look at budgets, but I wondered if you could offer any ideas when it comes to some destination inspiration. So four or five days, maybe, that that around around the right mark for, for no name on 4001? Yeah, that fits perfectly. There's, there's so many places, as we know, that are about four hours flight away mm-hmm. and, and great networks with Emirates and Fly Dubai and, and Etihad. Um, Zanzibar is, is a very interesting one. Um, there is the combination there of beautiful beaches and, and quite a lot of culture and history as well, you know, and the sort of spice uh, trading route and all that sort of thing. Um, there's lovely nature there as well. You can see sort of colobus monkeys and spice plantations and all Ooh. that sort of thing as well. So if you do three nights, then maybe just stay at the beach. But if you uh, do a little bit longer, get a night extra, then you can go out and do some, some sightseeing as well. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also a beautiful, um, beautiful property there called The Residence, um, which is villas only, um, pristine beach about a mile long, uh, private villas with decks and pools and, and lots going on um, and it's really good value as well you can do three nights there um, in a luxury garden pool villa half board kids staying free and wow 4335 per adult for the three nights including the flights hang on let me do some fast maths that's around 15,000 we're looking at adults and kids no name we're sorting you out so Zanzibar we've got time I think for one more Matt Vlemix do you want to take us to Azerbaijan or Thailand okay well let's uh, let's go to Azerbaijan then Why for not? something a little bit I different I haven't been yeah we've done uh, we've done a, a bit of beach already so this is very much a, a cultural and, and fun break only the three hours flight away um, you can stay in Baku itself or maybe get out into the mountains as well uh, Gabala is the region there which is very very pretty um, good for skiing but probably coming to an end now I would mm-hmm. say um, so you'd go there more for the hiking and the scenery um, but even if you just want to stay in, in Baku itself 
there's a great Hilton property that we work with there, right at the heart of the Baku Boulevard, uh, which is scenic strolls, museums, nightlife, bars, Food. Um, restaurants. Food is a common recurring theme here, isn't it? So yeah, I, just, I'm, I'm, I am one of those people that likes to plan my holidays around what I'm going to eat. And there's nothing wrong with that. I'm with you on that <laughs> one as well. And I'd like to explore Azerbaijani food a little bit more as well. So this is ideal. You can do three nights there um, in a guest room at the Hilton. Um, and that's from 3860 per adult, including flights, uh, and a little bit less than that per child if they're going to share including with you. Including flights? Crikey. Matt, we've had a couple of messages asking, where can we find the deals? Dead simple. It's dawnsandnowstotravel.com. But if there is anything that we haven't touched on today or indeed you're feeling inspired by but one a little bit different best to pop into a branch or give give you a call yeah all those things we've got 13 stores in the uae that can pop into give us a call on 800 donata and we're we're very modern as well so you can send us a whatsapp on 800 donata and what we'll get back to you on that as to well. be alive matt thank you so so much really do appreciate it as Thanks i said some brilliant opportunities for travel both locally and internationally uh, coming up over the coming weeks We are indeed broadcasting live from the Dubai International Boat Show this afternoon. So much happening over the next few days. And speaking now to Faham al Kasmi, he is also known as the Turtle Sheikh. He's going to be here over the weekend promoting conservation and education with children and these amazing creatures. Faham, thank you so much for being with us today. I know you're incredibly busy at the moment. So I want to ask you, first of all, about when your love for turtles first started and when you became aware that some conservation was going to be needed here in the UAE. Thanks, Helen. Uh, there's a long story behind me and turtles. It started when I was born and raised in the UAE on the coast, uh, diving, surfing, sailing, and sort of appreciating this very, very diverse marine life that we've got in, uh, in, in the United Arab Emirates. Um, but it was only a, a couple of years ago uh, when uh, twice in in basically the same year, uh, I was in a situation uh, free diving that I needed to save uh, two turtles. Uh, the first one was caught in, unfortunately, a, a plastic bag, and the second one was was drowning underwater, uh, tied up in fishing line, uh, which I think the story uh, was well covered by everybody. Uh, and after that, I realized that I would dedicate the rest of my life to, to saving and, and helping these amazing creatures. Now, there's two things that come up for me there is obviously that love of the ocean but but also this contrast between you know nature people and the animals that are literally being caught up in, in in the crossfire of that so when you say rescue talk us through that so you see a, a creature in in distress what next <laughs> because you know if we if that was to happen i don't know what i would do where did you take that those turtles and, and what did rehab and hopefully eventually release look like well, for those that spend a lot of time in the ocean, we know not to approach um, sea life nor touch it. Um, you know, we are guests in their home, uh, and it's there to be appreciated. This unique situation, um, I had seen this turtle struggling, and it was only an hour later that I came back and said, if this turtle is still in the same place, I need to do something. Mm-hmm. And when you spend enough time in the ocean, I noticed that this turtle was not swimming properly. Uh, unfortunately, underwater, you can't see fishing line. Uh, so when I went down to take a closer look, I noticed that its head and, and fin or flipper uh, was caught in the fishing line. So I cut it away and brought the turtle to the surface, um, both of us taking a breath of air after holding our breath for a very long time. Uh, and what happened was we, we called the authorities uh, and it was taken to the Dubai Turtle Rehabilitation Project, where the fantastic team at, at, at Jumeirah's project rehabilitated her. Uh, and then we celebrated the release uh, when, when she was fit and ready. Um, 
I will say that since then, we've realized that a lot of people do encounter sick or injured sea turtles. And we uh, created a hotline, 800-TURTLE, that if you spot a turtle that is in distress, we always say, specifically ones covered in barnacles, don't touch the barnacles, don't do anything. Put them in a bucket uh, with a little bit of water with their head uh, out of the water so they can breathe. Cover them maybe with a a wet towel to keep the shell um, sort of uh, covered. And then call 800-TURTLE and you'll be connected to the people that will tell you what to do next. Now, the the rehabilitation and and release must have been incredibly emotional for you. Was it like saying goodbye to an old friend and someone that you must have had something of a bond with? Uh, it's, uh, it's, it's a little bit of an embarrassing story. There are videos of me bawling my eyes out uh, <laughs> on the beach in front of Burj Al Arab uh, as we released Farah, who, how, the name of the turtle that I saved. Uh, however, we, uh, you know, with the Dubai Turtle Rehabilitation Project, track uh, some turtles. Uh, Farah had an amputated slipper. Mm-hmm. So with us, uh, we continue to track her for about a year afterwards to learn what amputee turtles do uh, once they are released. You know, they're critically endangered species. Uh, and for us, it was a chance for her to, to, to go back into her home in the wild and, and, and give us a little bit of information on what we should be doing better. Can I ask then about the tracking devices then and, and who is ultimately receiving that data? So we received the data for us to continue research. There are a huge number of academic partnerships uh, that are growing in the country uh, where we need to learn more about uh, turtles. We have uh, a critically endangered species called the hawksbill turtles that live inside the Arabian Gulf uh, and they, they nest uh, in Saudi Island or in Jebel Ali and further up the coast. And for us, it was really important for us to learn more and share that information with experts. So tell us about this weekend. As I said, you are hugely passionate about being on the water and in the water. What's your involvement here at the Dubai International Boat Show? I'm so excited at the Boat Show every year. I mean, the, the Dubai International Boat Show is, a, is an anchor event for anybody that loves the ocean. It's not just about um, the fantastic uh, super yachts and, and sailing yachts, um, but it's about diving. It's about, uh, you know, fishing. It's about uh, your world around the ocean, as they say. Uh, and, and for me to be involved in that is always an, an absolute delight. Uh, so I was there yesterday. I'll be down later Today and, and, and for the next two days, um, really, really thrilled to, to be speaking as well on Saturday. Now, you're a father and um, obviously your, your kids are growing up as part of this lifestyle as well. And seeing their dad and having him known as the turtle shake must be hugely exciting. Um, talk to us about the next generation and how are you going to be encouraging that love of turtles and the UAE oceans come the weekend? Uh, so I was really thankful to the team at Golfcraft. Uh, they've invited me. Uh, to run uh, a workshop for children and adults uh, on Saturday at 4 p.m. Uh, to talk a little bit about what we can do when we when we spend time on the water uh, to to protect these animals. Uh, Golfcraft, as you know, is you know over 40 years old in, uh, in 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 the UAE. They are one of the top yacht builders of the world, and for them to to give me an opportunity to share my story and share some information. Uh, is testament to really what the country's values are in in terms of educating mm-hmm. the the next generation. Mm-hmm. On a personal anecdote, um, my two boys pick up plastic when they see it on you know on the street or not in a bin, uh, and they'll always look at me and smile and say, "Dad, we're doing our bit to save turtles." Um, very emotional, and that is for me why I continue to do what I do. 
Well, it does tend to come back to this generation. I mean, not not in the water, but certainly on the land. My daughter did a module last last year on the orangutans in palm olive. And, and let me tell you, the uh, <laughs> the conversation is still going on. Every time in the supermarket, mum, that's got palm oil in it. We can't buy that. Did you know? And children, I think, love the idea of teaching us about something that we might not know about and I think to empower them with that information and then feed it feed it upwards so it's 800 turtle this is a number I need to be sharing with the kids should they see should they uh, see anything in distress and in terms of respecting their space as you say when we're in the water whether snorkeling diving free diving you know they're on the water in a boat if we do see an animal in distress there are people that are there to help and it is our role as the public is it simply to alert them for him what would you say to that yeah, I would say there's there's a number of things. The four main risks to sea turtles, one is cold stunning that happens naturally. That's when turtles wash up on our shores covered in barnacles because the temperature drops. That's what you'll find for most beachgoers in the United Arab Emirates, and we encourage people not to do anything to those turtles, but call the authorities. God forbid you end up in a situation that I was where you have a case of entanglement uh, or you have a case of uh, boat strikes, unfortunately, where people um, you know uh, hit a turtle. Uh, or the last one, which is unfortunately uh, an issue globally, is plastic ingestion. Turtles that have become sick and lethargic um, because their digestion system is, is filled with plastic. So every little helps. Uh, it's not only when you're on the water, but also be more conscious of what you're doing with your waste uh, and your rubbish uh, and, and understand that this beautiful marine biodiversity that we have in the country uh, exists. You might not see it on the surface, but if you dip your head underwater in any of our any of our waters around the country, both on the east and west coast, you'll be astounded by the beauty uh, of the marine life that we have. Farham, lastly, best way of joining you. It's easy to remember. It's four o'clock on the fourth. That's Saturday. Um, are adults welcome <laughs> to your to your, yes, your workshop? Okay, great. Yes, uh, please. And, and where can we get tickets? Uh, you can get tickets at Platinum List or from the Dubai International Boat Show website. Please. Uh, come down. It's an amazing event for the entire family. Uh, There's so much going on uh, and look forward to seeing you all there. Thank you so, so much both for talking today and for the amazing work you're doing, uh, raising awareness and yes, in the the water too. And we'll, uh, we'll see you over the weekend. Thank you so, so much. Take care. See you then. Thanks, Alan. Bye. Talking health, this half hour, and it's all about nourishing our bodies, feeling good, hopefully looking great as a consequence of that, and busting a few myths too. Joining us live at the Dubai International Boat Show is certified nutrition and mindset coach, Charlie Ruber-Baxter. Now, if you've got any questions, don't hesitate to get in touch on 4001. You can be completely anonymous. You've got the WhatsApp as well, 04871 Charlie, thank you for being with us today. Thank you for having me. Before we get to my many questions and that that we've got coming in on the text line, how did you get into this? What's what's historically been your relationship around food and that mindset that you address with your clients yeah I very much didn't have a very good relationship with food for years probably decades actually well in from late teens into early 20s um I yeah I didn't understand how to um diet properly I was always about fad diets high calorie restrictions all or nothing yeah all or nothing mentality um yeah binging and then restricting and just going round and round in that cycle and I spent many years doing that like so many women do um Mm. and but not not many people talk about it I think a lot of us do it and don't even address that with our kind of closest friends we just get into this these patterns and I don't want to say eating disorders, but that obviously is the case for a number of people. But disordered eating, I think a lot of people have have a, a 
difficult relationship with food. What yeah. changed for you? When was your kind of breakthrough moment or realisation? Um, I think I just got to a point where I was just so frustrated with it and I started learning about nutrition um, and that education around nutrition um, led me to um, wanting to do this as a profession because mm-hmm. um, I kind of went through my journey of having that terrible relationship with food understanding nutrition is what made me realize that food doesn't have to be our enemy it can actually be our friend and when we know how to use it um to nourish our bodies um and to yeah to nourish our bodies and to support our health Mm -hmm. um it really kind of switches from being an enemy that we see and um yeah, something that we should fear, something that we yeah, should... Yeah, and that's a, I think that's that's my big kind of concern as a parent about passing my own issues about food down to my kids. And I think, yeah. in, unfortunately, we've got an awful lot of kind of unlearning to do around the language we use around food, you know, being good or bad Definitely. or healthy, unhealthy. Yeah. So I wondered then, um, when, you, when you're working with clients, what are some of the big challenges that they're coming to you with? Yeah, I think just on that about um, kind of the... Rela- the, the um, the, the the language the language yeah the language around, around food sorry that kind of like labeling foods as good and bad mm-hmm. is just perpetuating that unhealthy relationship with food um, and what I do with my clients because a lot of my clients come to me with this they're like oh I was good today I was bad today oh I was I was bad because I ate a burger and burgers are bad pizza's bad chocolate's bad and you know salads are good and just really kind of segmenting them into this good bad um, categories and demonizing foods really just perpetuates that unhealthy relationship so coming away from that and being like okay well yeah there's more optimal foods for my health and there's less optimal foods for my health and there's a place for everything within your diet yeah of course we want to be eating those nutrient dense whole foods for the majority of the time and getting but we're human exactly know, and uh, which kind of leads me to ask you what what is your take on cheat days because we've had whole you know restaurants and advertising campaigns mm. based around this you know not deprive yourself but possibly deprive yourself for six days of the week and then yeah, you know, come day seven, go absolutely, you know, unsupervised child at the party buffet. <laughs> exactly, it was basically like a planned binge, isn't it? And mm-hmm. that's what it is. It's restrict yourself Monday to Friday or Monday to Saturday, and then go all out binging at the weekend. And that that doesn't work because you are just perpetuating this. Um, you know, if, if you're binging on or having a cheat day on like burgers, pizzas, chocolate, cake, whatever it is, then you're like reinforcing that in your brain that it's bad if you don't eat it outside of the cheat day so what you want to do is just create that flexibility with your diet and with your food and be like if I have a little bit of cake and a little bit of pizza throughout the week then it's not this big like all or nothing blowout um but yeah it's easier said than done there's a lot of mindset change that needs to be done yeah looking at someone who still needs to do that Uh, charlie's with us this afternoon we are going to be finding out next what is always in her kitchen cupboards or fridge and putting together some great ideas for snacks which i think is where a lot of people myself included fall down also going to go with the text line uh mika's asking about eating rice saying i'm asian brought up eating rice as main meals i've tried switching out but i always get hungry please help and we're talking about those sweet sweet cravings that's next We're talking healthy eating habits, getting rid of rid of food guilt now, and who better to speak to than a certified nutrition and mindset coach, Charlie Ruby Baxter, is with us. We've already had a number of messages. We're going to try and get through as many as we can between now and half past. Um, and I think a kind of common thread for for many of us when it comes to the downfall, and I don't want to say of a diet, but certainly of a a plan to nourish our bodies, as you quite rightfully put, is that mid afternoon snack. 
And now yeah. you, you've got a recipe book out, Charlie. Tell us a little I bit do. about some of the uh, some of the additions in that that could help me step away from the bounty. <laughs> yeah, it's way too easy to just grab the trashy snacks, isn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah, for snack ideas, I always recommend high protein snack ideas. Protein um, helps with satiety and keep you full, um, so they're a really good snack idea. So protein bars. Um, Baby Bells are my favourite little bit. They're such a good little hack. Everyone loves a Baby Bell. Um, Yeah, they've got like five grams of protein in, so they're a great little on-the-go snack. Um, Yeah, protein shakes, another one. Um, Yeah, fruit um, teamed with nuts. If you're going to have fruit, obviously fruit's so nutritious and there's a really great snack as well. But um, because it has got natural sugars in it, it tends to spike your blood sugar levels and then crash down quickly and you'll get hungry again um, soon after so always team fruit with a hand, little handful of nuts or a Greek yogurt or something like that. You mentioned, mentioned satiety there so that feeling of, of full which is what Mika's mm. struggling with. Mika's saying I'm Asian we were brought up eating rice as, um, with every meal. How can I change this now I'm an adult? I've tried switching to more veggies than carbs but I get really hungry and end up heading yeah. to the carbs again by late night. Yeah and this is just experienced by everyone um, who kind of just eats carbs by themselves. Um, carbs digest really quickly um, in your stomach and get released into your bloodstream really quickly. So um, yeah, they get digested quickly and trigger your hunger hormones um, soon after, which is why if you just eat carbs by themselves, you eat a bowl of rice or a bowl of cereal and you're hungry kind of like half an hour, an hour later. So it's really good to team those with protein. Protein digests really slowly in your stomach and therefore keeps you fuller for longer. So that's why I would recommend always having protein with every meal. Um, what about that um the kind of white rice versus brown rice um debate where do you stand Mm. on that and if we do like that and obviously i I think sometimes it's really nice to feel full um are there any more nutritious ways of, of feeling full um, what between white rice yeah, and brown do you, rice? Do you preference or is it all just a bit of marketing? Yeah, it's, do you know what? If You don't need to be kind of like micro-analyzing white rice and brown rice. Brown rice has a little bit more fiber, which digests a little bit slower. But if you prefer white rice to brown rice, don't force brown rice down yourself mm-hmm. just because you think that it's healthier. Yeah, it has a little bit higher nutritional value. But Negligible. if you prefer white rice, then, you know, this is all about enjoying the foods that you're eating as well rather Mm. than just picking foods because they are nutritious for you and you're not enjoying them enjoying foods is a a, a big part as well of not wanting to seek out foods afterwards as well you know sometimes you eat something that didn't satisfy you because you it was boring or it wasn't very tasty and then you seek out like something tasty afterwards and then end up overeating it sometimes i'm like oh yeah look down at the bowl that's that's that's, <laughs> Boom, that's, that's gone that's gone now so yeah you can work on your mindful eating i can then. definitely yeah. work on my mindful switch eating. off devices focus on the food that you're eating in front of you dining al desco not recommended yeah. <laughs> it's my life um jennifer's been in touch saying i'm currently trying to eliminate processed sugar from my diet mm. after allowing it to sneak back in daily i can feel it's addictive um how many days can i expect cravings to continue great question yeah great question um there isn't really an exact time frame but what I would recommend her to do um, again just coming back to that a lot of the time when we sugar because our body hasn't got enough energy inside it and so um, because sugar is the quickest thing to kind of like digest and get broken down into glucose in our body 
that's why we crave it because it's like right quick energy where can I get that from sugar Mm -hmm. okay give me sugar and that's where the cravings come from so to just generally manage your hunger levels that's going to help with sugar cravings and doing that again I would um, base your meals around protein get that satiety in pad out your meals with vegetables and fruit for fiber um, add a little bit of fat in there for satiety as well and just work on um, getting balanced nutrient dense meals in place and that's just going to naturally set you up like that's the fundamentals of managing sugar cravings I think sometimes it's a habit as well of like oh I always have something sweet after my main yes, meal absolutely that's, that's me I'm like and here I am mm-hmm. at the freezer reaching for the <laughs> pint of ice cream so so yeah. put it, putting a bit of a pause button on those those habits can yeah. make a big difference too definitely um, how can people work with you um Charlie when it comes to one-on-one coaching you've got the book as well what's yeah. how can people get in touch and indeed have a bit of help one-on-one yeah absolutely so I um, work one-to-one with my clients um, and yeah so they can get in touch with me about that I do um, I basically help women improve their relationship with food lose the weight that they want to lose in healthy and sustainable ways Mm -hmm. Um, we ditch the fad diets we undo all the diet culture stuff Um, and get them feeling confident about food. I educate them around nutrition so they actually understand what they're eating and why they're eating. None of this like, should I be eating this, should I be eating that? Not not to use a terrible food pun, but is it a bit like teach a woman to fish? (laughs) (laughs) Charlie, for anyone that wants your details, what's the best way of getting in touch with you? Um, Instagram, probably. Yeah, Charlie Ruby Baxter is my Instagram handle. So yeah. If you want those details, just send me the word food and I will send you Charlie's details. Thank you so much for joining us. My absolute pleasure. It's been a pleasure. We'll talk recipes next. I think you've got some great ones up your sleeve and I'd love to explore those a little bit more. Helen Williams is one of Dubai's leading lights in the mental health space. More than 40 years of counselling experience. She specialises in teaching mindfulness, meditation, personal self-development, counselling, couples, marriage, uh, public speaking, working, working with people from all walks of life, cultures, ages and countries. She's a native New Zealander and with a really loyal following of people who have trusted her with their secrets, their hopes, their struggles. And sadly, she's leaving the UAE in the coming days. She is someone who's touched the lives of so many both directly and indirectly. And if you've got a message for Helen Williams, please don't hesitate to get in touch. I'd be delighted to read it out. We're speaking with her now. Helen, how are you? Helen, I'm sitting here thinking, gosh, it has been a long time. And would you believe I'm ready to go almost? Well, it's interesting, isn't it, when we think about that ready to go? Because you Mm. actually worked with some friends of mine when they were leaving Dubai. And I think, in a very sensible move, got some advice from you about how about how to leave, how to leave who you are behind in a certain city or a certain situation and how to be ready to go to the next. So I I do want to get your thoughts on leaving Dubai. But first, though, how did you come to be here and how many years has it been now? I came first in 2006 because my eldest daughter was living here and she had a new baby and I came to see her and see the new baby and I just never left again. She, she said, there are some people here who I, I want you to help, Mum, if you could. So I began mm-hmm. talking to some of her couples and after a while thought, I actually love doing this. I could live here and do that. So I began. I set up my first business license actually in 2009. And what mm. were the conversations about mental health in Dubai like back then? Oh, 
are completely different to the way they are now, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. It's, it felt like there weren't so many people in the space, whereas I'm so aware now that Dubai is absolutely inundated with people who can offer tremendous support. But at the time, it didn't feel like it. So things have mm-hmm. changed hugely. They really have. For, for the better and in a million ways. I think so too. I mean, it's interesting you saying there that there's so many people that can help. A lot of these people are fully booked. There are lots of people in need of help, I think, in Dubai right now. No, and I really mean mean that. You know, we were talking about divorce on the show recently and it was like, good luck getting a marriage counselling appointment right now. You know, people are, are absolutely booked up and and something that you're really well known for we've had a message on this is about mindfulness and meditation um do you feel like that's been um kind of really taken to heart by the dubai community from from all cultures well i do it's interesting it's been the the stalwart of the last seven years of my living here when we set up the company called mindful me um to teach mindfulness and meditation and uh, i think the thing i'm the most proud of helen honestly is building a community of people who meditate, who mm. practice mindfulness. I love that. I love that that's what's being left behind and that they will continue on. Oh, tell us a little bit about some of the themes then you've noticed in clients over the years. Have you, you know, when you, when you zoom out and look back on some of the conversations, have you noticed any patterns or I guess kind of common concerns from the Dubai population mm. about their headspace and the way of life? Mm. I, I remember actually a journalist it could well have been you i can't remember who asked me (laughs) you know right back at the start asked me if you were to talk about the most common thing that you're discovering in the demographic here what would it be and i remember saying it's like an epidemic of self-loathing there are so many people here who just have no relationship with themselves and no sense of self-contact um, and, and who really hurt themselves badly with their thinking. And that was one of the reasons why I think mindfulness became so popular, because that's what it helps us to do, to form a relationship with our thoughts and with our feelings that puts us much more deeply in touch with ourselves and the truth of who we are. So I would that's say really, self-loathing. That's fascinating. Do you mm. think that's unique to Dubai, or do you think this could be you know, a, a mental health epidemic that's international? I, I noticed... Um, because I've been here all this time, I went back to New Zealand for six weeks during November, December, and I became aware of how seldom I spend time with people my age, and I'm well in my 70s now. So I noticed that people in their 70s tend to have formed a relationship with themselves, which is mm-hmm. um, much more profoundly peaceful. So I'm, I'm thinking probably of people in their 20s and 30s who are really struggling, um, who are learning right to know who they are. Yeah. We've had some yeah. lovely messages for you, Helen Williams. Polly saying, "I don't take, I don't say this lightly, but Helen Williams saved my marriage, and I'll never forget oh. her." And Alex saying, "I've been to many of Helen's workshops, and they've helped me hugely as a person, mum, and manager at work, and she'll be so, so missed. You really oh. will, Helen." And I'm, I'm, I can say, you know, personally, you've taught me so, so much, both when we've spoken on air, but also when I've been to see you privately. And some of the lessons you've taught me, I will honestly carry, I honestly could cry now, I will carry with me forever. And I'm a firm believer that I probably wouldn't be married right now because my husband saw you before we even met. And I don't think he would have been in a headspace. I, and I'm, I, I honestly mean that. I don't think he would have been if he hadn't taken that time with you um, to, 
I don't know. I still don't know why he went to see you. I haven't got a clue. It's none of my business, but I, I want to say a massive personal thank you. Um, so Aww. let's talk a little bit about what you think your legacy is going to be. What would you like that to look like? Oh, I, I said it the other night. We um, had a farewell and someone said to me, what an astonishing thing to do. Have a farewell when you're known as a therapist. That doesn't usually happen. And I said, no, it's in honour of the community. It's to let them talk to and listen to each other and talk about what they've learned and, and what brings them all together. So it's the community of people who've learned that the basics of mindfulness practice help us to stay living in the present moment, aware of ourselves, and actually listening to what's going on in our minds and in our hearts, uh, learning how to make responses instead of reactions. When I know that that community carries on and they have all become teachers of each other, then I'll feel as though my life here has been so richly rewarded. I listened to them speak the other night at the farewell and I was so incredibly touched by the numbers of times people said, this is what I've learned. This is what mm -hmm. being part of a mindful community has taught me uh, and this is what's changed in my life. I'm the proudest of that more than anything else. You should be. Tell us then about feeling ready to leave because it's something that all expats will struggle with at some point in their mm. life inevitably. Um, and as I said earlier, I think there's a huge amount of well, value and reflection on why you're leaving, when you're leaving, and what life could be like on the other side. And we think mm. a lot about, you know, settling into Dubai and, you know, finding your home and getting your job and finding your friendship. And I don't think we think that much about the repatriation or moving on to somewhere else. So can you tell us a little bit about how you knew that it was time to say goodbye? Well, it, yes, I'd love to. Um, in November, I applied for my Dubai residency again, knowing that this time it would be for two years and thought, mm. well, I have two more years here and then I imagine this will be the last time I do this. And a few days later, my niece phoned from New Zealand to say, my beloved sister has had a fall and hurt herself really badly. And oh, in, that, in that moment, I thought, for the first time ever since I've lived here, I now cannot travel because I don't have my passport. It's in being mm -hmm. renewed. And a couple of days later, she phoned again to say, we're really worrying about her and I think that you should come. And I stood in my living room and suddenly realized that that's what I was going to do. I'm going to stop and I'm going to New Zealand as quickly as I can. So I did, and when I arrived, uh, it took only a few days for me to realize that my life here is finished now because my life continuing on is going to live with my sister. We're going to buy a house together and we're going to spend, I think, the rest of our days loving each other and, and having fun. Um, we're looking That's forward to the purchase of the house and it feels like a completed whole circle for me. That's I beautiful, Helen. Mm. And t tell she, us then. She's my person. She really is my oh, person. God. And I, I think I stood in the living room and thought, she's my person and I feel like I'm losing her. And so I have to go and be with her. I've been gone all these years and now I need to go and do that. So there's it just no, felt there's true no better right. reason. No, there well, isn't. Thank you so, so much for sharing that with us. And thank mm -hmm. you for 
sharing these years with us, your knowledge, your wisdom, your humour. Um, it's mm. been an absolute honour and a privilege to spend time with you and I'm going to oh. miss you deeply, deeply, deeply. I'm going to be messaging oh. you for some recommendations for some lovely people I can speak to in your absence, although you might get the odd Zoom from me, Helen Williams. Thank you for everything from, from me you. and, as I said, the whole community that's been with you on this journey. Oh. Helen Williams, oh. it's been a pleasure. Bon voyage and uh, don't forget us. It's Afternoons with me, Helen Farmer. Really, really wonderful woman. I'm truly truly um devastated to be saying goodbye to her and while saying that's so beautiful i hope they have the best of their days ahead and thank you for downloading this episode of the afternoons with helen farmer podcast don't forget you can subscribe you'll get direct to your phone as soon as it's out and you can listen to me live on dubai i 103.8 monday to friday between 2 and 5 p.m You've been listening to a Dubai Eye 103.8 podcast. To enjoy lots more from Dubai Eye in the United Arab Emirates, just go to DubaiEye1038.com or find them wherever you normally get your podcasts.